What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking about why your macros aren't working for fat loss. So first and foremost, be warned. I'm going to tell you a lot of things you need to hear during this episode. You're also probably going to be pissed off after this episode. But again, at the end of this, you'll understand exactly why, even though you are tracking your macros, you're still not seeing the fat loss results you want. But really the most frustrating thing when it comes to dieting is doing the work, hitting your macros consistently, and still not making the progress you know you should be. So we call this diet purgatory because you're spending time and mental energy dieting, but not actually eating in enough of a deficit to lose the weight. It's a really common problem. Ask anyone in this situation and they'll probably say, really I'm doing everything right, I just don't understand why I'm not losing weight. Now, the primary reason this happens, and the thing we check first with our online clients, is you're not tracking your food as accurately as you think you are. Um, Tracking inaccuracies can really be a touchy subject for some people, because it could feel like an accusation, or in a lot of cases, it just feels frustrating because you know you are measuring and tracking your food. The thing is, in these cases, it's the sneaky extras that you don't realize you're having or don't think they really matter that add up to a lot. So again, for most people, this is a solution. A lot of people, when it's like, hey, I'm tracking, even like I am measuring most of my food, uh, will go to, okay, is it my hormones? Is it something with my metabolism? Do I need to reverse diet for the next five years? Look, what's the problem here? So let's look at the the real most common culprits of I'm hitting my macros, but still not losing fat. So culprit number one is bites, licks, and tastes. So bites, licks, and tastes are one of the most common reasons you're stuck in diet diet purgatory. Now, again, on paper, you're doing all things right. You're pre-planning your meals so you know you'll hit your macros, um, you're preparing and eating the food you planned on, and you're working hard in the gym. But the thing you're not accounting for in your food log is, let's say that extra cracker you have after you measure them out then uh, that sandwich crust from your kid's sandwich or those couple tortilla chips at the restaurant or the last bit of peanut butter stuck to the spoon. Now, these are the little hidden calories that don't increase fullness or satisfaction in your diet, but they do add up to significant enough calories to stall your fat loss. So let's actually do some calorie math. So we know it takes a 3,500 calorie deficit over the course of a week to lose a pound that week. So divided over seven days, that's a 500 calorie deficit per day. So basically we need to eat 500 calories below our maintenance intake per day to lose a pound of fat per week. Um, so let's say you're in a 500 calorie deficit, losing one pound per week, and then things to start, start to slow down. You start to lose that motivation you started out with and get a little lax on the extra bites, licks, and taste, or BLTs, as we call them. Not to be confused with a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. Um, they seem hard almost enough, so you don't feel like you need to track it. But let's calculate how these add up over the day. So I'm just going to run you through an example day here of bites, licks, and taste. Let's say there is six grams of peanut butter that you consume that isn't accounted for. So again, this could straight up be, let's say you measure, you actually measure the amount of peanut butter that you put on your peanut butter and jelly sandwich or in your smoothie or whatever. And then there's a little bit left on the spoon. You lick that off. That's six grams worth. That's 36 calories. Then as we mentioned before, you eat the crust of, you eat literally one bread crust from one of your kids' sandwich. That's 30 to 40 calories. Later on, as you are, Packing your kid's lunch, you eat two Triscuits. There's 40 calories there. 
you eat two tortilla chips at the restaurant later that night oh and you don't track those um you just broke off a little piece of a starbucks cookie let's say that that is an eighth of a cookie um so again just like a little super easy just a little just a little piece you broke off again just about an eighth of a cookie that's 40 calories um those tortilla chips were also 30 or 40 calories and you have a sip of your kid's smoothie um your kids eat a lot of food (laughs) you have a sip of your kid's smoothie and that ends up to be 30 to 50 calories Okay, so the crazy thing here is what I just described, which probably isn't that far out of reason, again, licking a little bit of peanut butter off the spoon, a bread crust, a couple triscuits, a couple tortilla chips, a little piece of a cookie and a sip of a smoothie, all that actually added up to somewhere between 205 and 245 extra calories per day. Now, again, this isn't at all out of the realm of realistic for one day's worth of bites, licks, and tastes. You could include all these, if not more, without even realizing you're doing it. Now, this is a big problem amongst parents, especially, whose kids will never finish all their food, because that's what kids do, apparently, and parents have a hard time seeing a bit of food thrown away. Now, again, this adds up to a total of 205 to 245 calories per day. Now, the crazy thing here is, again, remember, your planned deficit for the day was 500 calories, so this literally erases half of the total calories per day. And again, like this is, if we truly look at how much someone, like the bites, licks, and tastes someone tastes, it's typically going to be a lot more than what I laid out here. But again, that knocks out half of your deficit for the day, meaning it's cut in half. So what this means is you'll lose at most a half pound per week instead of the originally planned pound per week. Now that that remaining half pound that you did actually lose can easily be covered up by a little extra water retention and really lead to massive frustration with your lack of progress. So the best solution for avoiding the calories from bites, licks, and tastes is really to try to cut them out completely. They're not adding any value to your diet, and you probably don't want to trade two pounds of progress per month or 24 pounds per year to have that extra cracker off of your kid's plate. Um, The biggest factor here is awareness. So once you can see how these things are affecting your progress, you'll probably decide to cut them out on your own. Now, another way of accounting for these is tracking them before eating them. In this case, you'll probably realize you end up needing to adjust your other meals so much that it's not worth it, but at the very least, you'll at least know you're accounting for all the calories you're eating and continue your progress. All right, so culprit number two is toppings, condiments, and dressings. So all the extras you use to spice up your meals are counting towards your daily total, whether you log them or not. So we're talking about the pan spray you use, the salad dressing, the sprinkle of cheese you use, even the sugar-free sauces and syrups you use. Now, this is how a salad with grilled chicken at home can be 200 calories, but a similar type of salad at a restaurant can end up being 1,000 plus calories. So let's take a look at the calories and some examples of these add-ons that can sometimes be left out of your tracking app. So let's say you do a three-second spray of pan spray. That's 30 extra calories. Three tablespoons of bullet house salad dressing is 60 extra calories. 10 grams of low-fat cheese, 30 calories. Two tablespoons of PB2 is 50 calories. Three tablespoons of sugar-free teriyaki sauce is 45 calories. A fourth cup sugar-free syrup is 35 calories. Or three tablespoons of sugar-free coffee creamer is still 45 calories. Now, if you notice, these are all quote-unquote diet products. So they are even easier to consider free calories that really won't add up or matter. Again, it's just 30 calories, right? Um, It's easy to add all these over the course of the day and attempt to make your foods tastier and make the diet more enjoyable. 
Now, if you're having all these and not measuring them or even counting them whatsoever, again, that adds up to an extra 295 calories per day, enough to wipe out two thirds of your calorie deficit for the week and enough to add up to 30 pounds difference over the course of a year. Now, also realize that your body does adjust and this isn't a perfect equation. Like over time, as we gain weight, our, our maintenance calories would increase. So it wouldn't quite work out like this. But again, like I want to make sure the listeners can understand the point here. Like if we were trying to this could be the difference between like you losing 30 pounds and you losing 15 pounds, or in this case, losing 10 pounds. Um, so the solution here is, again, track everything. Even when something doesn't add up to a significant number of calories on its own, weigh it and track it. If you eat it, your body still counts as calories. So if you want to avoid spinning your wheels, you need to get a very clear picture of what your body is actually getting for energy. If something says on the package it doesn't have any calories, or says it has less than five calories, take a look at the serving size. Oftentimes it's an unrealistically small serving like one fifth second of pan spray. So make sure you're extrapolating that out to what you'll actually use to get an accurate entry for your food log. <clears throat> Track your day ahead of time using the amount of these types of extras so you'll know what you have to work with, then measure and stick to that amount. Now, culprit number three is tracking inaccuracies and estimating. So if you've made it this far in this episode, you probably can guess what I'm going to say. Estimating and tracking inaccurately can add up to a lot of room for error and dramatically slow progress. Now, this one can possibly be the most sneaky of all the previously mentioned offenders because you can fool yourself into thinking, well, I am entering it into my fitness pal and tracking everything I'm eating, so I'm good. Um, And I know Andrea mentioned like, For her, this is personally the most convicting one. So, for example, when she's at maintenance, she can estimate portions of some things that aren't calorie-dense, like chicken breast, green veggies, condiments like sugar-free sauces, and salsas. But when she enters the fat loss phase, um, the difference it makes between continuing to get close enough on those items and actually measuring everything out in grams is literally either her maintaining or losing multiple pounds of fat per month. Again, not even adjusting calories, just going from estimating to actually measuring. So really it takes very minimal effort to weigh those extra few items, especially because you already be using the scale for the most calorie-dense foods, and the payoff you get in return is disproportionately positive. So the solution here to tracking inaccuracy, first and foremost, weigh most foods in grams. Grams are the most accurate unit of measurement. If you're just starting out in macro tracking, this might feel overwhelming, but using your MyFitnessPal log, the food labels, and the tear function on your scale to make things as simple as possible. Now, if your food has a packaging, it will tell you the serving size and usually has, in quotations, G on the side. So that's your serving size in grams. So for example, it'll say serving size, two-thirds cup, and then in quotation marks, 55 G. So that's the serving size in grams, right? 55 grams is the equivalent of two thirds cup. That said, if you measure X, measure said food um, out on a food scale is 55 grams, that'll actually be more accurate calorically than if you measured it out in two thirds of a cup. Weight measurements are more accurate than volume measurements. Now, if your food doesn't have a package, for example, a sweet potato, Find that item in my fitness pal or food logging or your food logging app of choice and scroll through the measurement units until you get to grams. Now, another tip from my fitness pal is if it has a green check mark next to it, that means it's been double checked and is a little bit more likely to be accurate. Now, from there, using the tear function on your food scale can be pretty life changing. Okay, so maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it will save you a lot of extra time and dirty dishes. So here's how to use it. Let's say you're making a salad with a few ingredients on top, and the salad is gonna be using the following ingredients. Two cups salad mix, 
or 85 grams, three mini bell peppers or 125 grams, 60 grams of black bean salsa, 30 grams of guacamole, three ounces of cooked chicken breast, and 14 grams of pistachios. So step one, place your salad bowl on the scale, hit tear, and it will say zero grams. Next, add your salad until it says 85 grams. Hit tear again, and the scale will say zero. Add peppers until it says 125 grams, hit tear. Do the same for your salsa, guacamole, and pistachios. Next, hit unit, and it will say ounces now instead of grams. Add cooked chicken until it says three ounces. Um, and this allows you to build your salad all in one bowl without using a ton of separate dishes for individual ingredients in order to measure. Now for some foods, which will stick to a spoon, or when you're not building your meal and serving dishes, you can put your entire container of that food on the scale. Um, and really this is the method I use most often for peanut butter because I won't be able to accurately measure what comes out of the spoon. So for this method, you'll put the entire container of peanut butter on the scale, then hit tear so the scales until the scale says zero. So let's say you're taking out one full serving, which is 32 grams. Um, everyone that tracks their macros knows this by heart. You'll scoop the peanut butter out until the scale says negative 32. And that's when you'll know you'll have taken out exactly 32 grams. So again, as opposed to as opposed to if we were like using tablespoons here and pulling this out in a tablespoon, and it's like, okay, well, like what's stuck to the spoon? Is that actually part of the serving or not? Here we know, okay, including what's on the spoon, this is exactly 32 grams, so it is much more accurate. Next, weigh your meat in ounces. Now, weighing meat can be confusing, so the most important factor really is just consistency. If you want to be the most accurate, weigh your meat raw and thawed. If you want to weigh it cooked because you're preparing for family or bulk cooking, weigh it cooked and track it cooked. But again, most importantly, whichever way you do, do it that way consistently. If you're weighing your meat for today's lunch raw, then weighing it cooked tomorrow, then estimating how much it should weigh cooked based off of water lost during cooking the next day, but logging it all as raw, um, that's when the big discrepancies can show up. And again, that's, that's the problem here is when we cook meat, it's going to lose weight via water evaporating. So there can be some discrepancies here if we're logging cooked versus um, raw weight. Um, so when weighing raw, again, this is just the most straightforward because it's Internet of My Fitness Pal is raw as the default. So if you're weighing chicken breast, for example, you can just weigh out your portion raw, search it in My Fitness Pal, and find an entry for chicken breast. Weighing cooked. If you do cook a batch of meat, you can weigh your meat out cooked. Make sure when you're doing that that you're searching for as cooked in My Fitness Pal. Now, there are even entries for different cooking methods. So for example, boiled versus baked versus grilled. Really just make sure your entry is consistent. Um, if you're logging a batch of grilled chicken as grilled chicken, use that same entry for the next day when you're eating from that same batch of grilled chicken. So the question most people ask around this is, is all this shit really necessary? This seems obsessive. Now, uh, let me use this example. If you wanted to save up a substantial amount of money in three months, and your current habit was to spend as much as you want whenever you wanted, would you need to accurately track your spending? Absolutely. And learning where all the extra calories in your diet coming from are coming from is just important. Again, this is basically like your fat loss bank account, right? Like uh, too many people kind of try to wing it um, and just end up like, okay, it's, it's same same thing as your card. Like, okay, this is just like, I'm just going to grab two drinks here. I'm just going to go out to dinner here. I'm just going to whatever. And then like, oh shit, all of a sudden I bounced my credit card. How did that happen? <laughs> the exact same thing here. Like all these things that don't seem like very much add up. You could unknowingly be adding hundreds of calories and adding weeks, if not years, to your dieting life. 
Our goal as coaches is to help you learn how to diet efficiently and empower you with the knowledge to do so without frustration. Because really, your body is tracking everything, every bite, lick, taste, and extra gram, whether you choose to be aware of them or not. So the thing to realize here is the context of this podcast is very specific to people tracking tracking macros and dieting. So there is no right or wrong here. And this is another conversation like to end this with, is this or is this not obsessive? This is always a conversation we have with our clients. Some people will start coaching. Hey, I don't really want to use a food scale. I don't want to be that obsessive with it. And again, if that's, and we have this conversation with clients all the time, like, Hey, if that's not your cup of tea, that's okay. Are you okay with the trade-off that results could possibly be a little bit slower? Now, anyone that hops on board with us, we require you to track macros. It's okay if you don't want to track macros, but I realize there are probably other coaching services out there that are a better fit for you if you don't want to track macros. Um, all our clients do track their macros, or at least calories and protein. But again, when it comes to like weighing versus not weighing, it's not necessarily up to us to say, hey, you're doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing here. Just we want to make sure you're aware of the trade-offs. So oftentimes how this will go, some people, hey, like I don't, I don't feel super great about the food scale thing. I'm kind of uncomfortable with that. I don't want to develop a weird relationship like that. Like, okay, that's fine. Do you feel, again, like are you okay with this trade-off of potentially progress to be a little bit slower? Yes? Okay, cool. Then let's roll with it, all right? Like let's do your best to estimate. And a lot of the reality is like the leaner you are, the more precise you need to be with these things to continue to get lean. Um, and a lot of times it is, Hey, we'll see how you progress and we will revisit this when progress stalls, but like even like, okay, first couple weeks, cool. We're seeing you make great progress. Okay. We can't continue to just estimate at the best of your ability because you are losing within your desired rate of loss. Now where this isn't, why people need to be understand this is on the flip side, there are many people out there, and again, this is something we go so hard to educate our clients on because it's such a pervasive issue, who are already, like, you are already feeling like you are doing all the work. You do already feel like you're tracking your food. Again, like, you're probably even weighing and measuring almost all of your foods. It seems like you're weighing and measuring everything, but you're still not seeing the results. So again, like, it's, okay, does, is the pain of, okay, I'm going to weigh <laughs> these last few things i'm going to track those little bites licks and tastes is that really worse or less healthy than these people that are literally spending fucking years and years and years dieting because this is the thing that's holding them back no and the thing to realize as well is like when this is a tangent i could go off on for a long time but again this is specific to dieting so when you get to maintenance it is much easier to maintain you can be a lot looser. You don't have to track quite as accurately. It's like, okay, if some little bites, nibbles, tastes sneak in, right? Because maintenance is a lot more of a range. And we can be a little bit looser there. Same thing with the building phase. But again, like in a dieting phase, our approach with clients is, again, within what's realistic to you, within the limitations of health and achieving your best physique, most people probably just want to get that shit done with as quickly as possible. So again, like why do 80 to 90% of the work of tracking and get there in nine months to a year when you could just do a hundred percent of the work, get there in three months, be done with your diet and then not have to worry nearly as much about any of this. So again, like people say, Oh man, like food scales, that's obsessive. Like no one should be married to a food scale or whatever. And, um, so then like those exact same people are the ones that, okay, is this really better for you 
or less obsessive than the fact that you've been dieting for the last five years because you haven't been measuring accurately, right? So um, my thoughts there. Um, yeah, but that's it in a nutshell. So anyways, if you're ready to fully commit to a customized training and nutrition protocol, if you found this helpful, and if you're ready to finally take your physique to the next level, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. And that is all I have for you guys for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.